the Animation Happy Hour. A podcast about breaking into the animation industry over a couple of drinks. All opinions and views expressed in this podcast are solely our own and are not representative of the companies for whom we work. My name is Ben. I'm Katie. And I'm Garrett. And we're all currently animators at Disney. That's right. So to start things off, we wanted to say a quick hello again. Hey! <laughs> we're back. <laughs> That's right. It's in been person, a long time. yeah. Yes, <laughs> exciting. Yes. We, do, I think Ben was the one who mentioned that we, uh, we've done more episodes remote than we have in person. Oh, so depressing. Yeah, yeah. But we are back now, officially in person. Yes. And uh, yeah, it's been a while. When was the last time we released an episode? What was, it was like July, it was maybe? The stop motion one. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Gosh. But yeah, we, we took a long hiatus. We had a very yeah. long, um, hard crunch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> challenging. <laughs> very challenging. Where we, we were in official OT for, I think, five months, five and a half months. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was pretty long and grueling. So we appreciate all you listeners out there sticking with us, sticking with us, coming back, and and we've seen the numbers too. Like you guys are still listening, which we are so yeah. so grateful for. It really means a lot to us, and it helps motivate us to want to get back too. I know. I always expect like. You know, if we take a break, it's just going to flatline entirely. Yeah. But it, like you said, like, it's kind of cool to see the analytics and see people, you know, still listen. Yeah, we're excited to get back into it. So for those listening, um, we have some exciting plans for the future before we get into announcing what this episode is all about. Of course, you already know because you've seen the title. <laughs> we always forget we that. Always yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, just... So, you know, in the future, we very soon, we're probably going to be recording one that's a day in the life of a layout artist. We want to do an episode kind of on mental health and stuff, especially after going through the marathon crunch <laughs> we just did. Oh, my God. Uh, but yeah, we have a lot of great plans for the future. So we are excited to be back. Yeah. Yeah, there's listening. so much. I'm going to keep going with that pipeline series slowly but surely. Yes. And yeah, create a lot of new content for you guys. It's very exciting. So today we are drinking, this is something that uh, Ben and Katie found on Google, I think, oh, The yeah. Bad Habit, <laughs> it's called, and we kind of modified it. Uh, it's kind of like a bad habitini, I think we're officially calling it, because yes. the original Bad Habit, it was basically a half ounce <laughs> of peach schnapps and a half ounce of vodka, <laughs> so it's just like a, a shot, basically. Yeah, it's like very tiny liquor. sips to last for the whole yeah. episode. <laughs> so I just, I think I added um, some seltzer water and some lemon. And Very nice. nice and made it's it like delicious. a thank you. It's refreshing. Yeah. Thanks. This is a group effort. <laughs> was. Right. Definitely was. Yeah, we were having trouble coming up with clever drink names for this topic, which as you guys <laughs> have seen know. in the title and we can now announce is top five bad habits. And Ooh. how to avoid them. Yes. Nice. Ooh, good team effort there. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was tricky to come up with actual names that related to the topic. Someone's going to comment now. Someone's going to comment. I know. So there's like this whole list of, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to have a light and lengthy conversation about the various ways that bad habits can creep into our work lives. And we'll also give advice for what to watch out for as you pursue your career in animation and better yet, how to overcome bad habits when you encounter them. So the examples we're about to discuss are all things that we have experienced throughout our schooling and our daily work life. And sometimes we still encounter on a, a frequent daily basis. 
Our ultimate aim is to show that when we are able to overcome these little moments of laziness or low willpower or resistance, this more often than not actually saves us time and energy in the long run. Um, so <laughs> really our quest is to help you all kind of essentially be more lazy at the end of the day, ironically, even though it doesn't feel like that in the moment, it's all in the interest of, you know, being more efficient in the long run and taking kind of the path of least resistance. Definitely. Work uh, smart, not hard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For sure. <laughs> so yeah, most of these tips are kind of coming from our experiences as uh, CG animators working in feature, but we hope that it's still relevant to a lot of you guys in different disciplines. So um, in terms of structure, we're going to kind of talk about the top five bad habits that we've experienced, and then we're just going to talk about general tips on how to avoid them. So I think Ben is going to take it away with a bad habit number one. That's right. Very exciting. So number one is uh, being messy with your files and workflow. Bad habit. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Um, so this, this may seem like a soft one or like, uh, does that really matter? But, uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about is keeping your work organized. And I definitely know from experience, um, or I couldn't tell you how many times, like, especially working on particular shots, it's so important to keep naming conventions and keeping things organized, uh, or how important that can be basically, especially a lot of times I've, I've been in situations where I'm showing the director multiple different versions of a shot. Mm. And, um, and there have definitely been times where I'll get a little careless with how I'm organizing and naming things. And then they're like, okay, I like option B go on with that. And then I'll look back at my save log and I'm like, oh my God, what was option B? Was that blocking 004 or blocking 009 or what? You know, so it's really easy to just get into these these really muddy, messy areas where you can end up losing a lot of time. Um, And it also goes for, you know, whether you're working in a small or big studio, this can be a super important one because... As we know, a lot of times you're not just working in a vacuum. You'll have other people jumping into your files to fix something or update something or they'll take it and then use it for the next step of the process, whether that's tech animation or lighting or whatever. So spend the time up front to develop a system and have it be really clean because it it really will pay off in the long run, even though it seems like such a, a simple thing to do. <laughs> so funny it's like reminds me of like naming files when you're like version one version two version three underscore real version (laughs) four underscore real real (laughs) like yeah yeah, just completely not knowing what you're doing exactly um yeah you can get really i know some people that get super nitty-gritty with their saving and naming conventions where you know you'll be really specific about like oh this is the moment where i went from blocking to splining or like this is the moment where i baked everything to fk or i baked everything to ik or i put i changed the world space of this thing or whatever and so you just keep very strict track of everything you're doing in the file or even like which frames you're working on Um, it's all super useful especially if your files ever get corrupted and Mm. you have to go backwards Yeah. yeah yeah it's especially important to like i think Ben touched upon this, but when you're like a crowds animator and you're doing a cycle and then someone has to take your work and you animated <laughs> it really, you know, kind of dirty. That definitely happened to me when I was at DreamWorks and I got chewed out because um, I, <laughs> I animated a, like a frog being really excited and cheering in a crowd. And 
I remember an animator needed to use my cycle for their like because there was a background frog. Uh, yeah. And he very politely chewed me out, but he was like kind of like <laughs> called me over and described how to use like the foot roll properly because like a, mm. a big challenge in CG animation is like getting the foot roll to work with with like feet leaving the ground because mm. obviously your foot doesn't just like leave the ground it peels off from the toe. But yeah, anyways, it was just I didn't use it correctly and um, uh, definitely got chewed out politely. <laughs> so it can happen. Yeah, which um, we should caveat. Like everyone has different workflows and some people working messy is just the way that they animate and that's just how it goes. Or maybe you are super under the gun and you don't have time to keep things clean. But in an optimal situation, like we got a neighbor dog. We got a dog. <laughs> Hope you guys hear that. Um, they yeah, might not that hear that dog saying, "Keep your files clean." <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, when you, but it's better safe than sorry. Try to keep things clean if you can. Yeah, yeah. I like that you mentioned that sometimes when you're under the gun, it is hard to be super yeah. organized because that definitely rings true. You're just like working super fast. Yeah. You're not paying attention yeah. to it. I think what you said, Garrett, was really important that you were working in crowds at the time. You knew it would be your animation would be taken and X, Y and Z would be done with it. So, of course, it all depends on your specific situation. If you know somebody's going to take your animation, maybe you need to keep it a little cleaner or, or that could go for anything. I feel like if you're working on something, you know, somebody else is going to have to jump in and decode it. It, yeah. it might be nice to have kind of an extra level of organization for them. So, you know, just being, I guess thoughtful and compassionate for for other people that have to use your work yeah Yeah. and that can be um for animators specifically like yeah keeping your your curves clean can be really important and you'll want to be um did you guys already talk about like fk and ik and spaces and like like maybe you know, if you were animating and partway through you swapped spaces, FKIK, maybe before you deliver it, you put everything in one space so that that switch won't be confusing for somebody um, in the future. Because <laughs> I've definitely inherited cycles where that switch wasn't sort of baked in or mm. there was a switch and it was really confusing. Um, so it's something out of courtesy that you might want to put everything in IK or everything in chest space or whatever it is, um, before you deliver it. Yeah. Another thing for animators to watch out for is when you publish your shot, usually it goes to other departments like, you know, CFX Mm -hmm. looking for, or like if you have a character walking, you got to animate some pre-roll of the character walking before so that the Sims can properly do their thing. And if you're um, yeah, things to watch out for that, like being aware of other departments using your work. Okay, so our number two bad habit to watch out for is resistance to learning new tools. And I cannot count the number of times where I've had some sort of specific shot or problem that I'm encountering and a friend or a coworker suggests to me some tool that will help the process or help solve my problem entirely and and then everything in my being feels resistance to taking that advice (laughs) and learning that tool and you know there's sort of this initial oh that's gonna take me 30 minutes to an hour to learn like that's not worth my time right now I'm super under the gun or whatever it is 
But really, in the long run, learning this new tool could save you a lifetime of effort. And it might be something that you will then use in every shot for the future. Um, totally. So an example of this kind of tool would be like Animbot. Um, which is a very, very widely used tool for animators. And there's lots of very specific tools that you can use for the graph editor. And there are crazy things that you can mirror your animation. Um, Lots of various, yeah, super specific random nitty-gritty tools. Like you can alter the pivot of a control. Um, And I remember first hearing about Animbot and thinking like, oh, I don't need to learn that. Like, I'll just work with whatever Maya has. I like the way I do things now. But once I actually started to dive in and actually started to use it now, like I can't animate without it. Mm. And I do use it like with every single shot and, and very often, like I feel like it's, something I use almost as often as tumbling or whatever. Um, Cause yeah, there's so many great sliders. And yeah. another example is um, there's a tool called EB labs world space, I think. And that's something Garrett <laughs> told me about. And good tool. <laughs> <laughs> Should we try to describe it? You thought, what the hell does this Garrett guy know? About <laughs> <laughs> to be fair about that tool. It took me like, 10 years to figure out what was going on. I still like I'm confused when I use it. It's a tool that's really hard to describe. And when you hear about it from someone, you're like, what? What is the point of this? Are you talking about? (laughs) But once you actually get the handle on it, it's so incredibly useful. I mean, basically in layman's terms, it's a tool that allows you to put like any control into world space. Um, or it can allow you to put any control into the space of another control or object, which is incredibly useful as an animator. It's like a better alternative, or I think it's a better alternative to using constraints. Like I hate using constraints in Maya. So that's a for sure good way to go. Yeah. Um, so that's a control where, yeah, Garrett told me about it and I was thinking, (laughs) yeah, Garrett, whatever. Whatever. I I don't need to learn that. (laughs) And now I use it almost every shot (laughs) Um, another example of sort of resistance is there will be so many times in a shot where something weird is happening and Maya and I'll very frequently ask a coworker or I'll ask Ben now that we're home during the pandemic like oh like do you know what's going on with this like my Maya is acting weird. I, I don't, it just suddenly started doing this. And there's so many times where Ben says, I don't know. Why don't you just Google it? And I'm like, why don't you know? I don't want to Google, but Googling it is so easy. Yeah. And it's like, just look it up. It's not a big deal. Um, or if there's a tool that like you're vaguely familiar with Maya and you want to use it, but you don't really know how it works. I feel like I'm way more prone to asking a coworker, like, hey, do you know about this? Can you show me? But really, you can look it up and figure it out on your own, like, nine times out of ten. So That's true. Yeah. I remember, especially with, like, Animbot, it's understandable that you're you're probably just like, this is too much. <laughs> because it's kind of a Swiss army. Like, there's yeah, so many different tools robust. within it. Yeah, very robust, very comprehensive. So many things going on. But those two tools you mentioned, I feel like, are good because they kind of change the way you work fundamentally yeah. in the software. Mm-hmm. So it's like 
not only do they just like are more efficient, like I work differently as a result of those tools. So yeah, you can, I guess the tip is good because you can find tools where you might not expect that, but then they completely change everything. Like you said, and this happens, you know, month to month, like I learn about new things and very, very common. And I know we mentioned very, very specifically animation tools, but this is totally one that applies to all disciplines because we're all working in these softwares and, you know, you get kind of stuck in your specific workflow and you don't want to learn anything new. But sometimes those are the things that, as Garrett just said, completely change your workflow and can be a complete game changer. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. I was actually just going to say that if you didn't, we've been talking about a lot of this through the lens of CG animation, but this is one that so pertains to anything, whether you're a storyboarder and you've only worked traditionally or you've only worked in Photoshop, you've never used Storyboard Pro before or something. It's it's great to, um, you know, you're, you're not going to use every new tool you try, you know, forever, but... I think it was so important what Katie said, where she talked about, oh, it might take me a half hour to an hour, maybe a few days, maybe a couple of weeks to get used to this thing. But it's so great to just be okay with that clunky period when you're trying something new out, because it may completely, like we said, revolutionize the way you do something. And you shouldn't feel pressure. Not every tool is going to be great and you might try it and then decide it's not for you. But, um, you know, whether you're a traditional painter and it's a new type of brush or new viscosity of paint or, (laughs) you know, it's like, that's right. Viscosity. Viscosity. Thank you. Uh, I, this whole episode, I've been waiting to use that. But, um, (laughs) you know, I just think this is a, this is one where you could really zoom out and just as like a general philosophy, just be open to new ways of doing things and don't be immediately turned off when it's not, uh, when it's a little clunky, you know, don't be worried by the clunky period, just give it a shot and you might set it to the side and never use it again, or it might be the best thing ever. So just be open. Yeah, especially as you're new and like yeah, learning sure. and starting out. it can. <laughs> I feel like it can often feel like, oh, this more senior person is giving me unsolicited advice. And it's sort of like condescending sometimes yeah. or it might, or it Which, might feel like Is that how like Garrett that? was when he was telling you no. about Evie Lynn? Like, hey, like, you want to yeah, know how a like real animator is? Super mansplaining. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> Wait, what did you say? <laughs> I said mansplaining. Oh, yeah. That's got a lot of no, HR I'm complaints about that. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I should all, not but... say that in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no but that's a fair point yeah yeah, yeah but I, like usually it's more often than not coming from a place of they've ex- they're just more experienced and they've had the same struggles that you're currently happening and, and can see what you're going through and know how to you know get through it more smoothly <laughs> so yeah. usually it's it's very much worth your time to listen and, and learn so yeah keep that in mind this reminds me of like when you have to use a new software for work and you complain that it's not like the old software. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like going from, because DreamWorks has their own proprietary software for animation. And then, you know, it's made for animators. It's really, you know, smooth and like mm. bug free and fast. Yeah. And then Maya is all of the opposite <laughs> of those things. <laughs> And so, yeah. This episode is sponsored by Autodesk, by the way. Autodesk, <laughs> Maya, please. We're <laughs> awaiting your sponsorship. Yeah. No, but yeah. It reminds me of people complaining and being like, oh, why isn't the software like this at this studio? You know, it's just, mm-hmm. you got to 
got to be flexible, especially specifically with CG animation. Like it's so technical. Though. Yeah. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Got to do that. Cool. So we'll move on to number three. And this is a big one. Don't be lazy with notes. If you get major feedback, be sure to incorporate it. And this is a, a big bad habit. <laughs> A big bad habit. <laughs> um, we've all definitely been there. You know, it's it takes a lot of um, work to like even get to show something in dailies. Like you have to shoot yeah. reference. You got to like spend a lot of time making the performance good. And then you show the directors and then you get like major notes. And, you know, because you've put all that hard work into your shot, you just like can be reluctant to make major changes Mm -hmm. but this is a reminder to do it and (laughs) make those changes because in the long run you're gonna actually save time um and we definitely wanted to point out to don't be afraid to go back to the drawing board and throw away work because that's kind of part of the process right like for for any discipline anything creative yeah (laughs) anything at all you're going to be doing that yeah you absolutely need to be open to doing that it can be hard but Definitely worth it. And uh, we wrote down here, shot surgery is tough, but worth it. And shot surgery is kind of like when there's like one element of your shot that might not be working, but the yeah. other shot, the other parts are working well. So you kind of have to like, you know, go in there and specifically change the thing that's not working. And it's hard in CG or I'm sure in any other discipline, it's hard to do that because, you know, if you change one thing, it affects everything else. Yeah. But this is, you know, that tough work is just going to save you time in the long run because, you know, it can be like, I don't know if if I'm just thinking like if you kind of half ass your notes, you might be able to squeeze by and get the shot approved. And, mm. you know, maybe that'll happen. But then in the film, you'll look at it and you'll see all your mistakes and you're going to be we're going to talk about that later, too. But, like, <laughs> you're, you know, your work is up there forever. And then you, you know. I don't know. I I don't know if you guys have ever had experiences where you regret like not adjusting something and you saw it on the big screen and you're like, oh my gosh. For sure. (laughs) There's definitely been multiple times where, well, first of all, it it is just a pet peeve. I feel like you, there are certain artists who will take a pass at something and then they get like copious notes and then you're thinking like, okay, it should probably just be kind of like Garrett said, back to the drawing board. Like the next showing should be like a totally different thing. And then they show it again and it's like 92% the same. And there's like a slight difference. And, you know, I I think there's a couple drawbacks to that. One, it makes it seem like perhaps you're not taking this seriously enough or you don't care. It can like really get to the director possibly if they're feeling like their feedback is not being. Yeah, it can be like ego. Yeah, yeah. So I, I always try to tell myself that like, Ultimately, being an animator who can implement feedback is more is much more valuable than being an animator who gets it right 98% of the time, but that 2% of the time will not change it to like, yeah. you know, coincide with notes or, and cannot be a team player. Um, totally. So, gosh, what should we what was the question you asked? Oh, oh you're yeah. saying like, <laughs> yeah, later. Look at. Oh, my gosh. There's been so many times where I got a note on a shot and I implemented it. But then, you know, you whatever, it goes through the pipeline. It, it's maybe in the movie or whatever. And then you see it like months later or years later. And I definitely, there's been times where I thought, oh, my God, I should have implemented that like more. Ten <laughs> times more than I did. Yeah. yeah. Because, it, you know, we're, our vision is so skewed sometimes when we're 
When you're so close to a shot, you're simultaneously the best and worst person to be giving a feedback or, or giving your opinion on that yeah. shot because you are so close to it. So, you know, try to take any feedback and really give it its due. And even if you maybe don't 100% agree with it in the moment, because it's very possible that that person, you know, whatever they're saying is they're seeing something that you're just kind of blind to in the moment. So yeah. I, I generally try to err on the side of, okay, I'm going to take your word for it and just 100% go with, go for what you're saying and trust that, you know, it's going to work. And sometimes it doesn't, but more often than not, it does, I think. And yeah, you, know, you kind of owe it to the process to give it that shot. Yeah, this is super nitty gritty, but when I find myself in the situation where I have to kind of start over, go back to the drawing board, I find myself so resistant to reshooting video reference. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I like don't want to get out the tripod. I don't want to set up the camera <laughs> and like reshoot reference. But again, that's one of those things where it takes like 30 yeah. minutes and it will <laughs> save you so much time rather than trying to, like strong arm your old animation into totally. the new idea and try to figure it out in the file. And yeah, I feel like I work so much quicker to just new video reference, but there is something stupid about getting the tripod out that I don't want to do or like reserving the <laughs> reference room. <laughs> it can be a pain. You're like, oh, I don't want to get up from my chair. Yeah. It's comfy. Yeah. And it's such like a tangible step back that I think it's it's hard to take yeah, that sometimes. Yeah, there's something where it's like, mentally about uh, it. If I can just keep wrestling with Maya, maybe it'll work and I'll keep moving forward. Yes. But yeah, I don't know. Totally. There, a little anecdote here. There was a, <laughs> this is very relevant. There was a shot on Raya where I had a, it was, you know, I had this chunk of shots and the first one was a shot of Raya getting up from a kneeling position. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. It was like, I mean, 30 something frames. It was really short. So I was like, okay, I can pretty much just get away with animating the like body RX, like, you know, the body rotation and then the translation and just like, it's, it's like a <laughs> sure. nothing shot, whatever. I can do that. And I just would show and it would kind of get through. I kind of got some notes, but it was like always kind of like, ah, something feels like a little off about this. But like every time I saw him, like something is wrong and I never shot reference for it. I was like, I don't need it. Um, I don't need it. I'm too good of an animator for reference. Yeah. No, but then I, I finally was like, okay, I need to shoot reference. And I realized what it was missing and it was the the body TX, like the the side by side as mm. the weight was shifting oh. from like the needle to the yeah. other leg. And that made like all the difference once I added that in. So it was like a teeny stupid curve that I yeah. didn't have. Yeah. And it made all the difference. And I was resistant the entire time because I, like you said, I was like, I don't like, this is such a short shot, like a yeah. character just getting up. Um, so I told that rings true. Everything you yeah. said of like, being too lazy about it that reminds me there there are so many times where i'll be struggling with something mechanically in my shot and it would just be so simple to get up out of my chair and start acting it out or looking in a mirror or something like that and then sometimes just getting out of my chair and acting it out i'll notice things where i'm like oh this muscle is firing or my hip just swiveled or whatever it is and feeling it in my, in my own body, which sounds kind of weird, <laughs> but just acting it out, you know, you, you start to pick up on certain things that you wouldn't while you're just sitting in your chair and kind of struggling in Maya. So similar totally. to, yeah, resistance to reshooting reference. Sometimes you just got to get up out of your chair, which is, somehow a huge obstacle for so much of this. <laughs> yeah. no, that's very true. 
Something we wanted to add was that uh, definitely do not skip feedback or notes and hope that your teacher or soup or director will not notice. <laughs> uh, yeah. Seems obvious, but I think on a previous episode, I even might have talked about this, but I remember getting feedback uh, early on that was like when I was a student, I would have the eyes would like be in world space, you know, and, and then mm. my character would be turning their head and you'd totally lose their pupils and irises for like a couple frames and i was like ah it's not a big deal <laughs> Just and a then like frames. yeah yeah the teacher would be like uh we need to see the eye direction and stuff here and I heard, I'm ashamed to say, just I was like kind of stubbornly like, uh, it doesn't really matter. It's only a couple frames. And now in hindsight, I'm like, oh my God, that an animator would be fired if they were just like, no, like I don't need to do that or something. Like yeah. it, it just the, the potential, I don't know. You just never want to, if you're yeah. ever caught doing that, I mean, it's horrible. You know, so much of what we do is based off of like having a, a you know, trustworthy relationship yeah. with our peers and our superiors. And, and, um, if, if you're going to be identified as someone who, you know, takes a note as much more of a soft suggestion and may or may not do it, yeah. that's probably going to seriously affect your career trajectory. And it's just super important that, uh, yeah, you not do that. And, you know, it, it's possible that you'll have notes where, Maybe you try something and it doesn't work, but you have to at least try it. You know, you can't be someone who who just hopes to kind of squeak by because that will, regardless of whether you're at a small or big studio, you will quickly be identified and and uh, that is not a good reputation to have. I went super negative with this. I feel bad, but, <laughs> no, it's, but I mean, it's a very serious thing. I remember being in school thinking, taking some, oh, we're hearing some, some, we'll just go with it. If some, you can uh, hear some knocking here, I think that's someone agreeing with this point. <laughs> but uh, I, I just remember being in school, um, you know, taking certain notes, kind of more as suggestions and, and really you should really honor the notes if somebody has taken the time to give you those especially mm -hmm. if it's a superior like a supervisor or director um That's yeah a, a really good point stuff. what i was thinking as you were talking about this is i feel like with this tip there's also the opposite end of the spectrum where you know you can get a note and then do too much for the note that actually oh, wasn't intended yeah. i feel like this happens to me all the time where like i'll get a note and they're like oh yeah like the head turn needs to be like a little faster and I like reblock the shot because I oh, think yeah. like, oh man, I need like to, it's not working or whatever. And then I show again and they're like, wait, what did you do? Like, why did you change it? We liked it. So one helpful thing I think is um, to kind of avoid that type of scenario is to just like ask the person giving you the note, like what degree of yeah, change, you know, is yeah. necessary? Because yeah. that'll clear it up. If they're like, oh, this is like a really minor change, by the way, then you know, like, okay, this is a minor change. But if they're like, yeah, no, this is kind of like a, a, a fundamental thing. Yeah. Um, I know I this is getting nitty gritty. But. I feel like sometimes soups will say like, oh, turn it like 10% more or yeah, like so um, cut off two frames or something pretty specific. And, and that can be so helpful. Oh, yeah. I'm um, just trying to gauge exactly what they're looking or sometimes you can even ask for a draw over too of like, oh, like where, how far do you think I should go with this or at what point should this be turned this way and um, yeah, if you're ever confused, don't be afraid to ask. Yeah, the less vague like a note, the better because <laughs> you're like, okay, I will do this thing and then, you know, it's going to be good. Yeah. 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 And then I don't know, Ben, did you mention um, 
the last little sub point we had here was uh, don't be afraid to ask for help, get extra eyes on your shot, um, or going to your teacher's office hours. Um, you know, it's definitely important to get all the feedback you can. We, we have a caveat here of not, yeah, don't introduce too many cooks like too early, um, but definitely have like a trusted um, yeah. group of people to show your work to just to plus it. Yeah. Yeah, the point of that is just to say, like, don't sit with your shot alone and try to figure out everything on your own. Or even, like, specifically when we talk about notes, like, you can ask somebody if you think you addressed a note, which I do all the time, where I'm like, oh, like, the director said to do this. Do you think I hit that? Like, does this seem better than it was before? And, yeah, I do that all the time, (laughs) especially to Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, and likewise, yeah. It is so helpful to... uh do that stuff and bounce it off of other people for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. So this actually brings us to our number four bad habit to watch out for, which is be careful about taking shortcuts. Yes. It's often better to do things right the first time than doing it wrong several times. And, and that kind of relates to like being messy with your workflow and that kind of thing too. But um, I think what we're getting at here is things like relying on things like using cycles or using other people's animation and you're trying to like take a shortcut by reusing animation but then maybe it's not really well suited for what your your shot calls for and maybe then you're not really learning as much and you're not really learning how to do those mechanics on your own and it might kind of bite you later when you need to make changes and you're not used to the controls that it's calling out for that's very animation specific um but i I think the heart of this point is that often taking shortcuts will kind of bite you in the in the long run (laughs) this is totally rings true um for me like I, I know there were several instances on Encanto where um, I had shots where characters would do like stop or run to stop oh, or yeah. or just runs. And like I would try to use the pose like the cycles that were made, um, which is a, it's a generally a smart idea to like see what cycles mm-hmm. have been done and see if you can use anything. But you it can be easy to just like kind of apply, like shoehorn in a cycle because yeah. you're like, oh, I can make this mm-hmm. work. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And then you it just you know, you spend all this time applying the cycle and then it doesn't really work. And then the mechanics are really weird and you're just trying to make it work. But if I had just like stopped and then animated it properly from the get go, it would have saved me a lot of time. And I mean, I know this is like really nitty gritty animation stuff, but for me, like with those types of shots, I always, I kind of have to like draw out the legs, what they're doing, because Mm. that's how I kind of understand like where the weight's going. Um, And it's, it's kind of like how you described like reference. It's kind of annoying to draw it yeah. out because I'm like, okay, I have to like bring it into my program, draw it out frame by frame. And I don't like draw normally. So it's like kind of a pain, <laughs> but I, I don't know. It ends up when I take that time, it could be like half a day to draw out what the legs are doing. It just, yeah. it saves me so much time rather than if I just use the pose uh, library and just like tried to apply animation that didn't work. So yeah, yeah, totally. I totally understand this point and have run into bad situations before. Yeah, um, I can run into that too with like using the pose library or mm-hmm. I mean, usually using like a hand shape or like a facial expression from a pose library is really useful most oh, yeah. of the time. But sometimes if you have something really specific in your shot, 
it's very tempting to try to force a pose that exists into that. But then you know, okay, well, if I had just posed this from scratch, maybe that would have been faster than me trying to take an existing shape and change it um, and realize that it's not quite right. So, yeah, that's that's another example of like a pretty nitty gritty shortcut. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing. I don't know. I, I don't know how you guys deal with like secondary um, action, like things oh, like ropes yeah. and stuff. Like I always try to do that and like fudge it in Maya, but I always end up needing to kind of draw it out because mm. I don't know something. Maya is weird. Like you always feel like you can kind of like fudge things in it. I don't I find that. And then I'm just like, yeah. okay, I gotta, gotta manually do it. How do you, how do you guys deal with that problem? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good example, too, because they're in a lot of um, studio softwares or tools, like there will be some kind of secondary overlap tool that you can use for things like oh, right. tails yeah. or ropes or whatever. And yeah, I I like, often I like to use those because they can work really well. Yeah. But then that's, yeah, another shortcut where if it doesn't work, then you're kind of screwed because you're like, well, I don't know what to do now. But if you had just kind of worked it out and yeah. thought through it, then maybe you'd save time in the long run rather than trying to rely on a tool, which is ironic because earlier we said don't be resistant. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, the point of this is to say like, don't rely on shortcuts so that when they fail you, you're screwed. <laughs> That's actually a really good example. Like those types of tools that, kind of auto do secondary animation they have so many parameters that you can adjust like oh it's like stiffness or like you know energy and there's like 50 parameters that you're trying to make right and you spend so much time trying to make it look right but if you're just to manually key it it just ends up i don't know it's it's one of those things that's deceptively takes you longer than it would if you just animated it manually sometimes it i will be honest sometimes it does just work magically and save me a lot of time, <laughs> which is why it's so hey, tempting. <laughs> but, but yeah, totally. There, there have been many times where I just like plopped on a cycle or an existing animation, and then it doesn't quite work. And then, oh, yeah. yeah, I have to go back to the drawing board, reshoot reference, and animate it from scratch. And I'm like, why, why did I do this to myself? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's. It's an important tip for sure. Yeah. So for tip number five, um, this kind of goes hand in hand actually with the previous tip, but we called it go the extra mile with your work. And like I said, this kind of is a nice uh, sister point to the not taking shortcuts. And um, gosh, so there are a million different examples of this. Uh, But first, before we get into it, I wanted to say that by saying go the extra mile with your work or work super hard, we do not mean ghost. <laughs> and by ghosting, I mean at some studios and such, we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. you, there will be people who sometimes work for free, meaning they'll stay for a couple extra hours after quitting time and don't charge for that work. And we Come are... Come in on the weekends. Or, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, basically it's just working for free for something. And we vehemently disagree with that. Yeah. yeah. So we just wanted to give a very strong <laughs> caveat up front before we go into what, quote unquote, going the extra mile in your work is because it's not necessarily working more for free. It's definitely totally, not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty much like 
don't skimp on the polish phase of your work or whatever discipline you are. Like, don't just try to get the minimum amount of work done to get something approved and uh, or approved for publish. And um, this can be nitty gritty things for animation, like really animating the fingers and doing a lot of detailed work on <laughs> on kind of annoying things, which and for our discipline is things like fingers and overlap secondary action which can be a lot of work that you kind of have to frame by frame animate like a, a large handful of controls or whatever um which yeah it takes a lot of time but ultimately you just kind of have to do it um the only caveat for this is from my personal experience there were a few times when i was in crowds where um, the supervisor said, like, this cycle is going to be 100 feet away. So, like, you don't have to oh, yeah. polish the face. Like, you don't have to do the extra mile for everything because it's going to be very far away. Or it's going to be, this is for a really dark sequence at night. So, we're, like, <laughs> hardly going to see this or whatever. So, there there might be times where you're explicitly told, like, you don't have to polish this and that. Um, but otherwise, Yeah. Try to go the extra mile and hit all of your checkboxes for your to-do list. Another thing you can uh, do to go the extra mile with your work is arc tracking. You know, track all yeah. track those arcs, um, the heads. <laughs> <laughs> Again, animation specific. Animation but... <laughs> specific. And make sure your spacing works. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's super animation specific, but I like generally have like a kind of sanity check arc tracking pass where I like I'll track the tip of the nose and the wrists and the chat the middle of the chest or whatever is kind of moving around actively just to make sure there's no obvious spacing problems and i always catch something every time i do it and i'm so glad that i did it because it really does make just that little extra 10 percent a little bit better um and and i can sleep easier at night knowing that i did it <laughs> um and it, it's annoying to do but it's just always worth it. So it's definitely like a big part of my workflow. Yeah, yeah for sure. I'll add a quick little um, sub note, which might mm -hmm. apply to more than just animation too, which is to say, I would say with going the extra mile, go for specificity in your mm, work. Yeah. And that could be, I think once you've been working for a while, regardless of what you're doing, you'll kind of have a bag of tricks You know, if that makes oh, sense. Yeah. Like, I remember even when being in graphic design, there was like certain things that like clients usually really liked with a logo. Or I'm mm -hmm. sure if you're in storyboarding, there's a couple like really like kind of stereotypical shots that are always really cool looking or go together. And certainly with animation, there's kind of formulaic things you can do too. Um, and of course, if you're super crunched for time, that's fine. But generally, I feel like it is usually noticed when you maybe forego a lot of the the more general or boilerplate or cliche ideas or ways of implementing mm -hmm. doing something mm -hmm. and you know spending some time to do something that that is really appropriate and specific and unique to whatever like character or project you're working on at that particular moment yeah that reminds me like sometimes it's worth it to do research up front like, yeah if that's you're cool. I don't know, animating like a martial art for Raya or something. Like if you look up clips or 
um, or you take the time to look at the video accompaniments to an audio record or voice recording and see how the actor delivered the line. And for like those specific acting choices or something like that, I feel like sometimes a shot can bounce back and forth between the director and the animator a bunch because they're trying to get to that specific point. And if you yeah. had just like kind of done that up front, maybe it'd save time, but for sure. Yeah, that's tricky. So that was it. Numbers one through five, but <laughs> oh, spoiler. That was it. Actually, we have a couple honorable mentions here. We because you talk stayed about. so late with us. <laughs> because you came right. on this or They didn't really fit organically into any category. So. <laughs> but mainly because you stayed with us. <laughs> um, one of the things we wanted to talk about, this is more animation specific, of course, but is to not forget to... Uh, play blast and watch your shot at speed, especially yeah. now Definitely. with uh, Maya's caching ability and stuff. It can be really easy to get seduced into just seduced. Yes, <laughs> I, I chose that word on purpose into um, just relying on the playback within Maya. Yeah. Um, but so often, I swear, even if it's playing at like 23.8 frames per second, as opposed to 24 frames per second, it feels just totally different. Yeah. It, does. So it does. Please take the time to uh, do the due diligence. And I know it's annoying to sometimes, especially if you have a long shot, you can wait for a couple minutes for it to play blast. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, it can be super helpful to invest that time and, yeah. and watch it at, at true uh, real time. I have a bad habit of when I scrub, I artificially scrub faster through the part that I want to be faster oh, or slower yeah. <laughs> through the part that I want to be slower because mm. I have like this internal timing that I want, but it's not representative of what's <laughs> happening That's in so the funny. file. Like, yeah. this is what it should be. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I wish that was kind of a tool we could do, but, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's something I'm, I'm bad about as I need to play less more, especially uh, working from home too, because yeah. the playback is especially unreliable because we're, the way it works for us at least is we're streaming the mm. computer that's in the studio physically um over the internet and it's, so it's super unreliable especially um the sound sync and that kind of thing so you really gotta yeah do your due diligence as ben said and and play blast and watch it at speed very well said and i think another thing we had for honorable mention here is to eliminate distractions um mm. this is Definitely one that hits close to home for me. Sometimes I really have to just like, you know, I literally yesterday, I think I put my phone on airplane mode while I was yeah. working because I was getting all these like calls and I, it just was like, yeah. I was like stressing out about my shot and I don't know, it really helps to, <laughs> I, I may have uh, brought this up before, but I listened to rain sounds as well, which is just <laughs> oh, like a yeah. white noise. Yeah. Um, whatever works for you, we just think like uh, it's really helpful, you know, to just yeah, be able to eliminate those distractions. You know, this can happen if you're like, uh, it's probably relevant if you're in school and, you know, you're going to your lab and there's all your friends there and you want to like yeah. hang out with them. And, um, you know, sometimes it's just good to just just work and yeah. <laughs> not uh, talk to anyone. And yeah, I mean, it's obviously good to socialize sometimes, but. Yeah, I, I feel like I I recently heard some statistic about like, if you're interrupted while you're working, it can take 20 to 30 minutes to refocus. Oh, um, my God. Yeah, isn't that crazy? <laughs> that so, nice. like, you really... It just means I am never focused. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, like, it really does 
benefit you if you can silence incoming texts or emails or yeah. uh, slacks and send messages, um, coworkers <laughs> if you need to. Uh, I, I'm sure there's a spectrum for how people react to interruptions and some are unavoidable, but you know, yeah, like recognize if you're somebody who has trouble focusing, like trying to take an active effort to eliminate the distractions. <laughs> Actually, speaking of that, just recently, a tale close to home here. <laughs> <laughs> Katie and I recently put up a privacy screen oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> between oh, us. Oh, really? Because That's... we work like two feet away from each other. Yeah. And uh, although... I mean, it doesn't even have to be a, a negative thing, of course. I, I feel like a lot of times we hear about distraction or distracting coworker. It comes off as super yeah. negative. But like Katie and I generally like each other. <laughs> but we generally. we noticed there was a lot of like it's it's hard not to when you see stuff yeah. going on on their yeah. screen not to look over, you know. We're all like ways, super so. screen driven now. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you see something like, Oh, like what is Ben watching or what's happening in Ben's meeting or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I I feel like I was more the problem than Ben was, where no, I was no, always no. looking at Ben's screen. <laughs> no, I was just sneakier about. But uh, but, but, uh, but, that, it, but to that point, it benefited me to to eliminate yeah, the distraction yeah. of Ben's screen. <laughs> I'm just always looking at such interesting stuff, you know, <laughs> just lizards, just yeah, googling lizards, blue lizard, green lizard. Yeah, but, for uh, the listener, Ben's so Ben's stupid. really into looking at reptiles. On That's right. YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> fun fact. Fun fact. Tip chart. <laughs> it's not even a tip. It's just but yeah. Lizard. <laughs> Sorry. But I feel like it has helped us actually yeah. like, be a little more uh, focused is just that little silly thing. Yeah. And yeah. and we're a little more um, intentional too with how we interrupt each other yeah. where we'll like knock on the, on the little divider and say, hey, <laughs> right. like, can I borrow you to look at my shot or whatever? Um, I feel like one of maybe the perks of work from home is that if you're in a situation where you're kind of like by yourself, mm. you probably can focus pretty well. I mean, obviously, yeah. if you have kids and stuff, it's probably really hard to focus. Uh-huh. Um, but I found that kind of being a perk, uh, you know, if, if you're working from home that to, to find time to focus, like yeah. sometimes if you're with coworkers and stuff. You know, you have meetings pop up and you have to like, there's just so much going on in the studio. Yeah. For sure. But there's both sides to that. Totally. And there are objective ways to help. Like Ben was saying, we got a a space divider. You could get noise canceling headphones. Um, oh, for sure. You can you can have a conversation with your your cube mates and say, "Hey, like I <laughs> am under the gun. I'm trying to hit a deadline, so I'm sorry if I don't participate in small talk today or whatever." <laughs> yeah. Um, and just do your best to eliminate those little distractions, um, so you can focus. Great tip. Okay, so that rounds out our top five bad habits to watch out for. So now we are going to transition to how do we overcome these bad habits and how do we personally, us three, (laughs) uh, garner the willpower to overcome these bad habits and kind of moments of resistance or low willpower or laziness. That sometimes, <laughs> or Definitely. I mean, I I struggle to say laziness because, or hesitate to say laziness because I don't want to, you know, kind of feed into the like toxic hyper work culture. But 
sometimes it is just these moments where you just need a little extra willpower to get through them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So the first one we have down here, it's actually, it's, it's funny to me now that we're starting with this, but we're starting with it. <laughs> we'll just say um, experience, which if you're a new student, you might not like to hear, but just um, rest, uh, rest in the knowledge that eventually you will gain enough experience and make these mistakes and stuff. You can kind of reflect on that in the future. <laughs> and, um, you know, you you kind of understand, you know, kind of what to look out for. And, you know, once you're burned a few times by these experiences, <laughs> you, you'll come to realize situations where you're like, you'll, you'll be able to know right away, like, okay, this is a situation where I could take this path, like reuse this from another shot or something, and it might save me a little time up front, but eventually is going to present its own number of problems or whatever. Um, so I really need to invest some extra time up front and do this the right way. And, and eventually I'm, you know, mm -hmm. everything is going to be a lot smoother and, and things will, uh, go faster because of that. Um, I said that kind of clunkily, but yeah, do you no. guys agree? I mean, just, just yeah. eventually you do things long enough and, and you'll be able to fairly quickly identify, okay, this is a situation where I just have to shoot reference again. And oh, even though it's yeah. annoying, it's going to take me 45 minutes and I'd rather be like, feel like I'm taking steps forward. Ultimately, this is going to be way faster than if I just try Completely. to muscle it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 100% agree. Um, point two we have for <laughs> kind of getting over these moments is um, trusting a friend's experience or a mentor's advice on the matter. <laughs> and sometimes this can kind of be a reluctant reminder that something will be better for you in the long run. Um, and And this is kind of harking back to the point about like learning new tools and being open-minded or that kind of thing. Um, or frankly, sometimes like Ben just said, like sh reshooting reference and, and all, and this can happen between the two of us where I'll get some kind of big no and I'm trying to muscle through it. And then maybe Ben will nudge me to say, Oh, actually like maybe you should reshoot reference. <laughs> actually, I mean, that sounds kind of more intense than it actually is. It could be even that I say, Oh, maybe I should reshoot reference. I don't really feel like it. And then Ben kind of nudges me to say, <laughs> Oh it. yeah, maybe you should listen to that instinct. <laughs> um, or I'll be, you know, struggling with something and, um, and I'm just trying to figure it out on my own. And then Ben might be a nice reminder that, oh, you know, that's what soups are there for is to kind of bounce ideas off yeah. of and get feedback. Um, so thank you, Ben, for, <laughs> for your support and suggestions. <laughs> I struggle with the same thing. It's funny because this kind of goes hand in hand with, I feel like sometimes, and Garrett touched on this a little bit at the beginning too, when he was talking about his Raya shot, where mm. oh, yeah. I think there's two things that kind of, we don't have any of this written down. I'm just going off the cuff, <laughs> off the uncensored. But um, I think there's two big fears that I feel like so often get in the way of taking these like more practical, mm. this advice of like, okay, reaching out to a mentor, reshooting reference and stuff. And it's maybe just one big core thing, but usually it's like not wanting to look stupid yeah. and mm -hmm. feeling like you should be at a point where you don't need to do this or yeah. ask it. And like, I yeah. feel Very like it's true. a, it's a horrible like tendency we have because like even the most like BA experienced animators still get feedback from other animators and still yeah. shoot mm -hmm. reference and do all this stuff. But 
I remember even feeling as a student like, oh, if I'm a real animator, I shouldn't have to shoot reference. Yeah. Or if I'm a real animator, I shouldn't have to have feedback. I should just yeah. do it right the first time. And those things could not be further from the truth mm-hmm. and will just never be true. So get yeah. over it. You know, you you might you know, you, you might need a little less of it in the, you know, in year 20 of your career versus year one, but it'll never go away. You'll always have to bounce ideas off of other people and reshoot reference and try things and fail and try again. Um, so just get over that mental hurdle of feeling bad about it because everybody does it. Don't feel bad. And yeah, completely. Totally. I feel like we get locked into this idea of the life of a shot and how long things should take or, and a lot of that is kind of based on experience or comparison, but yeah. every shot is different. <laughs> like you really yeah. can predict how it's going to go. And sometimes you really do just have to go back to the drawing board um, and start over or get feedback or whatever it is. So there is never, ever any shame in asking for help or um yes, taking some suggestion that will require a step backward, whatever it is. Totally. Yeah. I'm just thinking how many times, you know, Isabel has gotten me out of a situation similar to you guys where you show your work to each other and you're like, oh, this isn't either this isn't working or like the reference might be off with this. Usually what happens is like, you know, I'll show her something and um, she'll tell me feedback and I'm like, you're wrong. <laughs> it's right. Yeah. And then like, I end up changing it because she is like, like, I don't want to admit, but yeah. she's, she's completely right. And then you know, like I'll get a compliment later on the shot or something because of something I changed. And I'm like, she was right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally. Because you're just like, you don't want to change it. You know, I don't yeah. know. I don't know how to describe it. No, I think that's so oh, valuable just to say same though. Exact thing. Yeah. I think it's so valuable to say like, it's never like fun to be no. told that like, you're not doing it quite right. Or, <laughs> yeah. Like never. Right. Yeah. So like, I feel like, yeah, you always, even when I ask for feedback with like the best intent, I'm like, I am feeling so collaborative right now. This is going to be great. Like, can I get some feedback? As soon as I hear that first negative thing, I can still feel my blood pressure rise. And I'm like, yeah. oh, no, this is terrible. So I how would you know. say that to me? Just, I, I think you just have to like make friends It's even with harder that. sometimes in a couple because yeah. you're not afraid of showing your true self. <laughs> oh. So you're just yeah. like... Unfiltered. Yeah, you're yeah. like visibly cranky <laughs> when you get a note. <laughs> You can't even wash the dishes properly. What do you know about my style? But like, I feel like with the soup, I'm, you know, I'm like ultra polite. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But with Ben, I'm like, oh, maybe, but that's a lot more work. (laughs) But but then he's always like, you're, you're right. Like 99% of the time. Well, it's, it's another funny thing is that a lot of times the person's not right too. And like, Um, you know, you have to like, I've certainly, I think given you feedback and vice versa where it's like, "Eh, ultimately it's not the way to go. You just have to be comfortable with the fact that this is such a subjective thing, regardless of what you're in that, uh, yeah, someday you, I, I think generally it's good to try things and some won't work. Uh, most of the time, I think it will work when you're getting somebody's outside opinion who you trust. But uh, usually it's yeah. that like gut impression. I feel yeah. like that's so important because you lo- when you're animating something and you're looking at it over and over again, you you get shot blindness and you don't yeah. see it. And then when you show someone, they just like immediately like know, like get a gut impression and yeah. they give you that and you're like, no, but they're actually, they're seeing like a more honest interpretation of the shot because- yeah. Yeah. But one day we'll have to do an episode all about like 
uh, taking critique and feedback <laughs> yeah. and like how to like, you know, take the essence of the critique and, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, Gosh, as yeah. opposed to the actual, like what they're saying, yeah. you know, actually yeah. that will, that would be a really good one and tricky one to do, yeah. but yeah, you're right. Yeah. That would be a great. Yeah. Con- to be continued. <laughs> to be continued. So the next one we have here is recharge. And so it sounds kind of counter, like all of the, the tips we've, the bad habits we've revealed have been all in the interest of like maximizing your productivity and efficiency and like, you know, being optimizing your time. But this is kind of a worthy reminder that it is very, very, very important to take breaks with your work. And not only for your, just like your mental health, because we've, we brought that up a thousand times before, but also like for your work, it's good to take breaks. And that's because kind of what I just mentioned, like getting shot blindness when you're looking at your shot over and over again, you're kind of losing objectivity. When you take a break, you know, you go to bed, you like go for a hike, work out or something, and then you go back to your shot, you are going to see it in a completely new light. And you're going to see all the flaws. And um, it's just a really good idea to do that. Um, And it's also, you know, you should kind of figure out when you're most efficient with um, working. Like, for instance, you might find it easier to approach a lot of like heavy intense animation in the morning um, yeah, after a night's rest totally. versus like um you know maybe you're better at night so kind of get, know yourself and get a sense for when you are most or least productive um and plan accordingly yeah totally i often save kind of like <laughs> the more uh routine mindless like nitty gritty kind of just muscle through at work for the afternoon mm. um, where it's like art checking or something or cleaning my curves or whatever it is. But then like the super heavy willpower stuff like shot surgery, reshooting reference totally. or whatever it is, um, I'll kind of approach in the morning. And um, sometimes, you know, it's better to end a, a little early and go to bed and get a full night's rest and then wake up a little early the next day to try to approach something with that fresh, um, yeah, fresh night's sleep. And, uh, and you'll just find, oh, my, my brain just works better now. Or even like yeah. you'll take a walk in the middle of the day and then something about the blood flowing to your brain reminds you, oh, you know what? I was really struggling with this thing, but I just remembered there's, this tool or this other way to do it that might perfectly work for the problem I'm having. And I should approach the shot this way instead. Um, I I can't, yeah, I can't count the number of times that's happened to me on like a little exercise break or something. And it's the last thing you want to do when you're struggling. Cause you're like, I need to figure out this problem. Like, yeah, this literally happens every week where I'm like struggling and I'm like, I know I need to like take a break, but I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, So the next thing we have written down here actually kind of goes hand in hand with our first point, but we, it's so important. We want to say it again, uh, which is we said practice and learn. And again, this kind of goes with experience, but just the more you do things and the more you practice these good habits, uh, you'll become better at identifying when you need to do X, Y, or Z. And just the easier the process will become overall. Um, I just feel like, I mean, just, we haven't been in the industry super long, but I just feel like, uh, already the difference I, I feel from, you know, when I was in my first couple months of working versus now after, you know, a handful of years, I approach problems totally differently. And, and it's something that's kind of cool and also kind of, uh, frustrating about working in (laughs) arts or animation specifically is that 
you can't know how to do everything immediately. You can't learn that, you know, up front and then go ahead and do it. You just kind of learn as you go. And eventually, if you keep practicing these good habits, um, it'll just serve you well. Ultimately, things become more and more efficient. And yeah. Yeah. A nitty gritty animation anecdote is um, for me is like FKIK switching for the arms. I remember being a student and feeling like, I have to pick one or the other at the beginning <laughs> yeah. of the shot and oh I'm gosh. never, ever going to switch. But now, um, I, I mean, we're lucky because Disney has tools that make it very easy to switch between them. But now, yeah, I, I switch multiple times a day sometimes depending on what I'm doing. Um, and I'm just used to that process of kind of switching back and forth and it's not a big deal to me anymore. <laughs> Whereas mm, as a student, sure. I have, yeah, avoided it like the plague and never wanted to do it because it seemed like, why would I overcomplicate this? But <laughs> there are moments where it calls for that. So, and yeah, just practicing that and getting used to it will make it so much easier in the long run. Or constraints. That's another thing. That, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> Instead of like <laughs> setting up the constraint, they like manually move the uh, object yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Or just yeah. like changing the idea. So it'd be like, uh, maybe they don't need to pick that thing up. <laughs> like it could be like behind the back or something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of, the next one's kind of a unique one, which is to try to have a beginner's mindset. Um, and this is kind of specific to your personality, but... I think there's something really freeing about having a beginner's mindset where you kind of tap into that first day of school mentality where you're eager to learn and you're willing to try anything and you've got nothing to lose and nothing to be embarrassed by because you're just learning. And um, I feel like once you kind of get a little farther along, you feel like I'm supposed to know all of these things and I'm supposed to be farther along and, and know how to do everything. But um, sometimes you just have to kind of, yeah, garner that willpower to ask for help <laughs> and like learn about new tools or new workflows or whatever. Um, and that can really help you get through a little rut. So our next one is just start. Don't think about it, um, <laughs> which is I think this is really applicable when you're in a situation where, you know, you you just have to like redo everything because <laughs> we said here like sometimes all it takes is just opening Maya, um, just biting the bullet and start to, you know, just start whatever you don't feel like doing. Um, and the starting hump is often the hardest to overcome. So, yeah, it's just like kind of go in there, start working and just like, don't think about it too much. Cause it's, you know, like there's this book I read <laughs> called unfuck your habitat. <laughs> Sorry, it's very, um, we just got that E explicit say, rating on this. <laughs> very explicit rating, but it, it reminded me of this tip, which is like, they talk about like how to organize and clean your house and stuff. And if you have a hard time with it and they were saying, do they, they describe the process of doing what's called 2010s. And it's mm. 20 minutes of cleaning and 10 minutes of break. Huh. And they're oh. like, okay, if you can't, like, if you're procrastinating, you don't want to clean, just, like, do one 20-10. Anyone can do one 20-10, right? It's just, like, mm. literally 20 minutes of cleaning and then then you're done. Yeah. So, but, like, the point of it is that once you do one 20-10, you just, it's so much easier to just kind of keep doing more. Yeah. So, it's just, yeah. like, I think it's the same thing with this tip. It's just, like, start, you know... It's going to be hard, but like literally give yourself 20 minutes of work to reblock and then say you're, you're, 
you know, you're yeah. going to take a break. Yeah. And you, by just doing it, I think you're going to find that um, it's going to be a lot easier. Like the thought of doing it is worse than actually doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'll like personally like couple that with like a, a save and a new name convention where I'm like, all right, now I'm baking it to IK and here's my <laughs> new thing. And I'm going to clean my curves or whatever it is. And you're just like, all right. I'm diving in. Here I go. <laughs> you committed. Yeah. yeah. That's great. So next we have reduce and prioritize. Ooh. Ooh. Reduce and prioritize <laughs> your to-do list. And I'm going to read this very officially, even though I wasn't the one who typed it up. So <laughs> psychologists say that we have a finite amount of willpower every day and it can get spent very easily on the wrong things. This is something I wrote just from my go. brain, and I have no <laughs> official sources or citations. <laughs> it's just something I heard, and I'm rephrasing for, you know, but I think yeah. it's yeah, true. It's great, though. Yeah, I think it is true. <laughs> so I think it is really easy. This kind of goes hand in hand with what you guys were just talking about, where like, it's so easy when you get, especially like a big batch of notes or something. Um, to just get overwhelmed by the sheer amount of work you have to do, or or if you're starting a big shot by by everything there. So uh I, I think it can be really valuable to just reduce and say, okay, I'm I'm just gonna accomplish like this these one or two things. And yeah. and mm-hmm. this one is the most important. So for myself, even if it's like, okay, I have to do a totally different take on this, I'm probably gonna have to shoot reference again, everything. Like, okay, I'm going to get the tripod out and set up the camera. <laughs> and that's yeah. one thing. Yeah. And I'm going to do that. And then after that, I, I can chill for a little bit. And just taking those little steps, you know, reducing in your mind what, what's on your plate, these million things, you know, you have to do it and just making it about, okay, first, I'm going to set up the camera, then I'm going to do this and that, you know, just handle it one step at a time, I think can kind of help you get through that feeling of laziness because otherwise I'll just, I'll be on my computer and then I'll mess around in Maya for a little bit, but not actually doing anything because I haven't, you know, I don't have a roadmap yet. And then before I know it, hours will go by and I still haven't taken that one simple step of like setting up the camera or something. Mm So just kind of being realistic with yourself and being like, okay, here's one easy thing I can do, even if I don't feel like it, because then I can have a little break after or whatever I think is is so uh, helpful in the long run for, you know, eventually you like Garrett said you'll just notice this kind of snowball effect like with the twenty ten mm-hmm. cleaning rule, and you'll just kind of keep going and going. Yeah, and crossing off to do lists is fun. You know, like, yeah, it's yeah. nice. Sure. It's a nice like psychological thing. To, totally, to and I'll find like outside of work life too on the days where I have something really intense going on with work or a really heavy work day. I'll simplify other aspects of my life, which mm. which come from which comes from a place of privilege where I'll like order dinner instead of oh, yeah. cooking it, That's or cool. I'll skiff my workout or whatever it is, just to really focus on work if I know it's going to be kind of uh, demanding. Um, yeah. Because That's yeah, I mean, if you're like getting up to work out and then cook dinner or whatever it is and power through like that 
you know, it really can be a drain on kind of your willpower and your energy for the day. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. I'm glad you brought that up. Or like when you're feeling particularly stressed at work, that's not the time to be beating yourself up about how your kitchen is dirty at home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you really do need to give yourself a break and just focus on Give yourself on. a little slack. Yeah. That's great. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this next one I put down, and it, it's a little bit of a silly one, but I think it's kind of fun, which is that um, you should have a go-to playlist for when you really need to focus. Um, and for me, it's like <laughs> there are certain random soundtracks that like really help me key into like, oh, this is my shot surgery playlist where I just need to dive in and focus. And um, what? Well, I will specifically plug the 2013 Sim City soundtrack, hey, hey. which for some reason, there's something about it which helps me key into this mindset of like, I'm building, building, creating. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it's kind of a game and I'm problem solving and figuring something out. And it's, uh, it's epic enough that I'm focused, but it's not, there's no words. So I'm not distracted. Or whatever it is, I highly recommend it. It's a great soundtrack. Um, And I'll also plug, I mean, these are a little more cliche and popular, but like Hamilton and Waitress. I've listened to them so many times that they're not distracting to me, but I still love the stories, so I find them compelling to listen to. Um, And yeah, those are kind of my go-tos for like, oh, I got to focus and like key in. Do you guys have anything that you like keep coming back to when uh, you said rain? Just rain because I'm a sociopath and I can't. <laughs> rainy mood. Just, yeah, rainymood.com, I think is the site. Yeah. What you, Ben? Yeah, similar, similar to what you were saying, Katie, where it, it's stuff you've listened to before. So you feel like you're, it's entertaining, but you can kind of tune out of it yeah. too. So there's a couple episodes of like Conan O'Brien needs a friend that I've listened to like 20 times and I know exactly how the interview goes, but I just, it's funny and I like having it yeah. on the back cause I can tune out and in and random like nature shows and stuff, <laughs> but, you know, I'll just listen to like fun facts about animals, but yeah. Yeah. There's an app called, um, Headspace, which is like a meditation app and they have some random, channels which are like focus music and it's just like mm-hmm. random weird kind of meditation-y sounding music <laughs> and that can be my like oh i gotta focus and really really kick it into gear now so I'll listen to that um sometimes there's certain jazz that's like very improvisational and kind of high energy and that helps me like <laughs> sprint before a deadline and um yeah it's funny maybe i'm just highly music motivated but um yeah, yeah cool. it's, if it works for you it works for me so yeah, give it a are. try definitely and the the last point is this the last point i believe yes so. it is oh my gosh you guys hey, oh. set me up for the last one <laughs> and that is dig deep so i can't, i think we touched upon this a little bit before but you know just remember that you'll never get to revisit shots after you publish and like you know, once they're in the movie, that's it. It's gonna it's gonna be on the big screen. So, um, you know, people could theoretically make your shot into a meme or in a gif, <laughs> and then you're stuck with that for the rest. Of, if you see like mistakes in it, you're stuck with it. Um, and also, kind of more on a practical level, like this is work that will go on your reel or possibly could go on your reel, and could decide whether you get hired um, or not down the road. So, uh. 
I guess remembering this stuff kind of helps you, hopefully helps you muscle through these little nitty gritty polishy and appeal notes. Um, you know, just remember that when you're kind of like, oh, I don't want to make this change, but <laughs> ultimately it will help you. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously this isn't kind of like what Ben was saying earlier. Like this isn't meant, we don't want you to overwork yourself ghost or like, you know, kill yeah. yourself trying to make the best animation. But just remember this kind of to muscle through um, yeah. when you need to. Totally. <laughs> All right. So, yes, we are nearing the end. So, it's time for our tip jar. So, this one's pretty animation specific, but it goes with kind of what we've we've been talking about uh, for this whole episode. And I'm going to talk about eye darts and CG animation. And when you're animating those, um, well, basically, kind of this overarching big thing that I don't know if we specifically called out, but a big part of appeal and polish especially in like feature film animation is eye shaping notes like specifically Mm -hmm. how the lid conforms around the eyeball and i bring this up because i think it's something i actually have a a lot of trouble with and and usually i lean on my soups a lot to kind of help me through it and um it's something that i look at a lot of 2d animation to help inform you know and and learn from um but specifically when we're when an eye direction change happens or even when there's small eye darts in a shot, um, you should have the lids respond to those little eye darts. And like usually the apex of the curve in an eyeball um, corresponds to wherever the pupil is at that given point in time. Um, Generally, of course, there can be exceptions to any rule, especially depending on the expression. But when you see these micro little darts, you should probably also have these little micro adjustments in the eyelid too. And if you Mm. do that, it just provides this little extra level of polish and maybe most people won't even notice it. It'll just kind of have this more sophisticated feel to it. Mm -hmm. But then when you're showing your reel to a potential, you know, employer, and especially if it's, you know, supervising animators are watching your reel or something, they will definitely notice that. And it will reflect really well on you that you took the time to put those little uh, details in. Totally. That's one of those things where it's it's like fingers where there are these little tiny Mm. controls that there's a bunch of them and they're kind of annoying to use. But just putting in that little extra work really, really helps. Yeah. Little things like that are big. Oh, sorry, Garrett. Go oh, ahead. no, no, you go, you go. Okay. I was going to say little things like that are big tells too. When you're looking yeah. at somebody's reel yeah. where you can like usually in the first shot, you can kind of gauge where somebody is skill wise or career wise on stuff like that. Like you can see if it's yeah. a poorly shaped eyeball or something. And I don't say that to intimidate anyone. And I yeah. say this as, I as an offender on. myself. Yeah, yeah. Constantly I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah. But it's just something, if somebody's like really a rock star, you can usually notice that stuff right away and it will reflect really well. But Gara, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that um, usually on rigs uh, there, or sometimes on rigs, there's like an automated version of what you're talking about, where um, if you move the yeah, eye, the right. eyelid goes, but I feel, feel like more often than not i i don't use that or if if it works it kind of like doesn't fully work so it's i usually tend to like turn that off and kind of manually do it um i just yeah i brought that up because i guess like rigging is getting better and better these days so some some of that stuff is getting automated point yeah Um, you're right but i think yeah it's really valuable to like know what to what look out for and how to push your work 
I remember sure. um, our professor, James Crosley, kind of talking about it and how, like, the pupil and iris kind of stick out a little bit from the eye and how that can kind of uh, basically influence and generate movement in the lids. So they really are following around the pupil and iris, if you think about that. So, yeah, like Ben said, yeah, have that apex kind of follow around and it, it will just feel that much more organic and real. That's <laughs> That is bringing us towards the end of the episode Ooh. and the time where we enthusiastically plug all of our social media <laughs> networks. <laughs> we know we haven't been super active on social media during this break, but... But we're back. We're, we're back. back. <laughs> we're excited. So you can find us on Instagram. Um, that's probably where we're a little bit most active with replying to messages and that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. we're... Um, our podcast is on all of the various podcast networks. You can email us at animationhappyhour at gmail.com or send us a message through our website, animationhappyhour.com. We love when you guys give us reviews. We read every single one and it gives us a little extra pep in our step <laughs> <laughs> and a little extra motivation to keep going. Um, so thank you, and it does help us if you guys review. Um, I think mainly we get reviews on Apple Podcasts, but mm -hmm. there are probably other forms where they're applicable. Anyway, we're also on, on YouTube. <laughs> Appreciate subscribers there. Um, I'm kind of droning on and on. I'm trying to remember. Oh, it sounds great. We have a newsletter, which you can sign up for on our website. It's a monthly newsletter where we give special uh, links to various um, animation-related topics and the latest news. So hit us up there, sign up, like, and subscribe, et cetera, et cetera. And Thank let you. us know what your bad habits are because Ooh. I'm actually genuinely curious if people agree with ours or they have other ones because I feel like this topic could be many, many episodes. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah, so many sure. uh, yeah. possible bad habits. So yeah, I'd be curious. Let us know. I think that about wraps up the episode. This has been Garrett. Katie. And Ben. Thanks for listening and happy, happy.